0: Luke chapter 9, uh, 22 through 24. Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. And he said, and it, sorry, and as was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, whoever loses his life for my sake He is the one who will save it. Good morning. So glad that you are here today. Can y'all wake up? Good morning. Thank you very much. Glad that you have chosen to be here. Thankful that we have chosen of all places to be, to be right here so we can worship our God together. We are in the middle of our... uh, fall focus. And and I don't want you to miss what we're focusing on. We're focusing on discipleship. That means following Christ. That means, again, if Jesus turns around that you and I are there, we want to close follow Him as closely as possible. And that is why we're looking at the lessons that we are looking at. I know these lessons have been very, very challenging. And, and, and I've heard conversations, people have asked me questions afterwards, because it's not the part that's difficult to understand is the part that is. What Jesus asked us to do in speaking, and some of y'all might not know what this is, this is a whipping post. This is what the Almond Brothers sang about, okay? This is something they'd drive on the ground, and if somebody messed up, they'd put their hands in it, and they would whip them. You may have felt like that for the past two or three Sunday mornings, okay? Not necessarily my intention. I want you to come back tonight as we're going to focus on being happy and joyful And being holy. So please come back tonight. I believe it will be a blessed time because part of following Christ is not following Him with our teeth gritted the whole time. It's about following Him with joy. And following Him. and, And I hope that you will choose to do that. And I hope that that is something tonight that we can count on you being back here as we choose to worship. Also, we're going to have a very uh, we're going to have a special service next Sunday night, but we're going to have one next month also. And we have sent out a survey this week, and some of y'all have received an email that asks you: number one, what your favorite worship song is, and two, why. It's amazing with those two simple questions the kinds of responses we have gotten. We've gotten four or five songs chosen. We have gotten songs probably by Merle Haggard chosen, and, and maybe so, okay. I like seeing me back home myself, and Mama tried, but that's not exactly what we're looking for. Music has deep meaning. And for many of us, many of the beautiful songs that we sing, there's something about those songs. Maybe it was the song that was saying day we were baptized into Christ, and you still remember that. Maybe it was a song that your mother sang to you. Maybe it was a song that was sang at a funeral. There's something special about that song. And so what we have done is, again, there's an email that's going out to everyone, and and y'all may be thinking, what is email? That is fine. We have some hard uh, copies, some paper copies out at Information Central. Please feel free to take one, fill that out, and give it back. I think it's going to lead to a really uh, great service we're going to have next month. So be doing that. If you will, let's go to God in prayer before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are your God. You're over all. You're above all. And today we should fall at your feet and thank you and worship. God, for you to be mindful of us is overwhelming, and you have asked, you've asked a lot of us, you have asked us to give us our life. For, for you, but that is not too much, for you have given more for us. Lord, help us this day to look at your word and to see what you would have us to do. In Christ, let we pray. Amen. I do love music. That's, that's one thing that I can remember my whole life, and if you're around my family, my dad can date just about every year by what car was out or what song was popular. If you go through a conversation with my dad, he can go through you. You name a song, he can tell you what year that came out and what car he was driving, when that came out. That's just sort of the way his memory works. And guess what? Ours was probably very, very similar. My house was wired with a, before people were wiring their house for HD sound and everything else, we had a, what I thought was a long, a really long hallway, which really, if I went in there now, it's probably only about three steps deep. At the end of that was a closet, and we had our family stereo in there, and my dad ran the wires through the attic and dropped them down in the living room, and in two corners of our living room, we had the speakers. That closet was full of uh, of eight tracks and full of records, and and it was something that music was something that always filled our home. The first opportunity I had to play my own music, since my dad didn't want me messing up his stuff, they bought me a Fisher Price record player. Some of y'all had this. This was similar to the one that went out with the Jewel Miller thing. If you were remember that, you you had the little except that one had a TV in it. You could go through and you just wait for the what? Wait for the beep and you would turn it. I remember this, and my dad gave me a stack of 45s that I could play on it. You haven't lived till you listen to purple people leader come off of this thing. It was something, some of your kids are going, I don't know, you've been deprived. You need to hear that song. It'll change your life. Not really, okay? And then I wanted a cassette player because we moved away from vinyl so much. Everything's come back around. I don't think cassettes necessarily will. And this was my family was in the Fisher-Price mood, so this was the first tape player that I got. I still remember the first cassette I got. It was Michael Jackson Thriller. That was the first one I received as a kid. Some of you are in that same boat. You may not admit it, but that was the first one that you got. I had a cousin who borrowed my dad's truck who bailed me out because he left Van Halen 1984 in there. That quickly became... Uh, probably why I play guitar now and, and enjoy that so much, I remember listening to music over and over and over again. iTunes has changed everything. And, and so have CDs and everything else. Many of you will never know what it's like to listen to an 8-track, which means if you have a favorite song, you have to listen to the entire album for it to come back around. You couldn't just rewind or play or put a song on repeat. Now, some eight tracks had this little uh, four-way deal on it where you could get it to one part of that eight track, and it would come back a little quicker. But if you want a song, you can go. You don't have to download the whole album. You can go get that one song that you want. Many of you now are going, why would I do that? Because there's all kinds of free music now. I can go wherever and listen to music for nothing or for a small subscription fee and, and you say, it's not that, that big a deal. See, we would have to go to actual record stores and look through to try to find the album that or, or record or, or, or tape that we wanted. And then there was Columbia House. Y'all remember this? Twelve tapes for what? A penny. Or it got where it was 12 CDs for a penny. This is when CDs first started, so it was six CDs for a dollar. They had to go up a little bit. And you would look and go, "Why why would anybody resist this? Right, I mean, you want 12, right? You've got these picked out. You would go through and go, I want this one, this one, and this one, because, like, I can have all the music I would want right now. The thing is, because that 12 hits for a penny, even though it's really, really big, There's some fine print on here. See, every month they would send you a postcard. You had to buy so many at regular price, and their regular price was $22 plus shipping. Okay? I'm not sure who they paid to ship that, but they must have made a fortune. I mean, it was was amazing. And they would send you that month and say, the choice of the month is this, and you have to mark on this postcard, I do not want it, and if you didn't send it in in time, you got it and you had to pay for it no matter what it was. See, there's always details in what? In that fine print. There's always details in in the fine print. And and, and, and I think that's one thing that's bothersome to me because the big print giveth and the fine print does what? Taketh away. You think you're getting this one thing and all of a sudden the fine print is very, very different. Maybe you've gone through to to buy a house, and that's why you want to choose someone to help you do that mortgage-wise that is reputable. Why? Because sometimes there are things, fine print, that you may not have read, but you definitely need to understand. Several years ago, a lot of people bought homes, not realizing they were buying with adjustable adjustable rate mortgages. That after a certain amount of time, according to the interest rate, your payments were going to go up, sometimes double. that, That was probably not in the large print. It was in the fine print. You you go through and look, and maybe you've gone to to buy a car, and you say, all right, this is the price that's on the car. You sit down and start negotiating, and they ask what question? What do you want your payment to be? No, 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 no. I want to know how much the car is. I have a calculator on my phone. I can divide whatever the number is plus tax by 48 or, or 60 or 72 or however many payments I'm going to need. And all of a sudden, the numbers start changing. I laugh. My brother went with my mom to to buy a car a few years ago, and she wanted one of those Volkswagen Bug convertibles. When they first came back out, she wanted one that was light blue and convertible and all this stuff. And they had agreed on a price, and then they started doing some figuring, and all of a sudden, my brother looked at the paperwork. He said, what is this? They were wanting to charge a $1,000 rare car fee. We're not doing that. We'd already come up with a price. Well, this is after that. We did not pay the rare car fee for the Volkswagen. I'll promise you, it didn't happen. You start looking, and it's very frustrating. Have you ever tried to feel, figure out how your AT&T or Comcast bill works? Oh, there's a deal. It's $89 a month for your internet, for everything. You get your first bill, and it's $130. Like, what just happened? Well, there's stuff in that fine print that seems to be hidden there. And maybe it's not the fine print. Maybe it's just a lot of print. I have read and agreed to iTunes Store Terms and Condition. There's 62 pages of stuff to read. And I'm going to guess most of us have committed dishonesty by saying yes, that we have read and agreed to whatever. Why? Because there's so much hidden in there, we really don't want to look. And, and the thing is, when I go to buy something, I just want somebody to be honest with me. I want somebody to be honest with me about the cost, about the, whatever the case may be. I want someone who will be honest with me. I don't want any fine print. I want them to explain what is there so I can make an educated decision on what's there. And I tell you, that's one of the beauties of following Christ. Even though it is challenging, there's no fine print. There's absolutely zero fine print in following Christ. The man died on a cross and said, do what? Follow me. He lets us know it's not going to be easy, and he says, follow me. He does not hide anything in the fine print. And there is a high cost of being committed to following Christ, but can I tell you, it is worth it. It's worth it. If you will, turn to Luke chapter 14. I want us to read through this together. See, we're looking at being a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a baptized believer. It's somebody who has followed Christ into the water, has been baptized for remission of their sins, who has come out of that water fully submitted and committed to following Jesus, to learning from Jesus, to obeying Jesus, to worshiping to living like Christ, to loving like Jesus, to serving Jesus, and bearing fruit. That's what we've been called to do. And and when it comes to disciple, it is someone he says, follow me. And why would we do that? Because we realize he has loved us so much. Discipleship is our radical response to his radical love for us. And he says, follow me. There's no fine print. He said, Now the great crowds accompanied him, and he turned back and said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not hate, let let that sink in, does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Realize who did he say this to? A big crowd. If we were to read through the Gospels today, what you would see is anytime a big crowd starts following Jesus, usually it's after he's performed some miracles. Maybe he has fed 5,000 or healed sick or whatever the case may be. A great crowd will start following him. And why are they following him? Many of them for the food, many of them for the for the show, whatever it is. And he will challenge them in some way. That's what he did here. He said a great crowd is following. He said, uh, if anyone wants to come after me, and doesn't hate his own father. He starts in, can you imagine the crowd going, what are we listening to? He's not finished. He said, for which one of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to, enough to compete, complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see begin to mock him, saying, this man began a build and was not able to finish. Bullying and mocking are not new things. He goes on and says, Or what king going to out to encounter another king in war would not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other king is yet a great way off, he sent a delegation and asked for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it saltiness be restored? It is of no use, either for the soil or the manure pile. It is to be thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Did you read any fine print there? See, I don't think Jesus held anything back. He said, this is what it's like to follow me. He said, in order for us to follow him, we must be willing to take up his cross. Well, what does that mean? It's interesting, if you hear, ask somebody what does it mean to bear their cross, many times they make it about them. Many people interpret that as, you know what, I have a strained relationship. I, that's a cross I have to bear. I have a thankless job. I have a physical illness. I, I, they say, you know, I just have to carry this cross. Those are burdens, and there are real burdens we have to carry in this life. Why? Because this, this world is a place that, that since the fall has been covered with sin. And because of sin, there is suffering. So yes, but that is not the cross Jesus is talking about. This cross means being willing to die. This cross means crucifying myself. And uh, what A.W. Pink said, he said, the cross then stands for obedience. It's consecration. That means set ourselves apart. It is surrender as a life placed at the disposal of God. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Bearing up your cross is a voluntary act of surrender. There is zero fine print. Jesus said, this is what it takes to be my follower. And he says it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. For many people, these are some of the most disturbing verses in the Bible. Luke 14, verse 26. We say, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, his own life. You go, wow, isn't it weird that he says, hate your family and love your enemies? That seems a little odd. What's he saying? Does he say we literally have to hate someone else to follow christ what he's saying is the same he said in matthew 6 33 but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you he says you must it, it, it should be such a difference in the way you love christ it is such a as we talked about last week such a higher love that it has priority over every other love in your life that you love Jesus as much as you love your wife or your husband or your children, whatever it is, or your mom or your dad. You love Jesus that much more. One of the most joyful things that ever happens here as a part of this church family is if somebody chooses to be baptized for remission of their sins. It is something from from when somebody comes up front or, or, or may happen outside of services, but if there are people here, it is something that you see people smiling the entire time. People are joyful, and you know what? What happens? Somebody will go back and they'll be baptized for remission of their sins. People are kind enough to go back and help them get ready. People are kind enough to go back and do that. And after they have made the great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and they've been immersed for remission of their sins, and they get changed when they walk out, what do we do? We stand up. Why? Because we're excited for this. One of our elders will stand right here, and we'll announce them to their church family, and we'll pray pray with them and for them. And as soon as that is over, what do people do? Gather around and smile. It is one of the most joyful things that can ever happen. But it's not that way everywhere. i think about my cousin who's done mission work in a lot of different places but where they're trying to reach out to people who are muslims can i tell you when they go home their family's not going to be excited their their husband their wife their child was baptized into christ it is not something that is joyful we, we see this take place and, and look at the smiles on their faces. Guess what? When they go home, it's going to be a very, very different story. Now, will they have a message to tell? Yes. Will their family be, uh, be receptive? I hope so. But it's not like here. And it's not always like that here either. I read a story of a young lady in Laos who chose to be baptized for the mission of her sins. She was so excited, and she made this decision. And when she went home, it was something that 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 she thought her family would be excited. It says, to her surprise, these parents were not happy over the news of her conversion. And they even tried to force their daughter to renounce her faith. And when she refused, remaining firm in her resolve to follow Jesus regardless of the outcome, her parents kicked her out of the family and home and announced that she was no longer their daughter. See, that decision here may become a, a thing of joy. It's not always. What's amazing is people talk about whether a teenager can make this decision or not. This girl did. And when her family said, you have to renounce your faith, she refused. She continued to hold on to Christ and take up her cross and follow Him no matter what it cost her. She got it. I have a very good friend uh, like so we don't have to go to Laos or Middle Eastern country to see a family not happy when somebody chooses to become a Christian. My friend was was raised in a, uh, a very good home, a, a church going home but a she went to a a, a a religious group that not did not believe that baptism was necessary for salvation. They just did not believe that. And, and she had uh, studied and studied and studied. And she went to her family and said, Hey, I've made this decision to be baptized for mission of sins. I want you to come. This is what her mom said to her. You do realize that when you come up out of that water, you'll be saying that everybody in your family is going to hell but you. Let that sit in for a second. One of our young people comes and tells us they want to be baptized. They're met with what? Hugs (laughs) and joy. This young lady still told her mom after saying that, I want you to be there. It is something that now, 25 years later, this young lady. Is faithful. She's been an influence on her family. Her her, her family has, has, I think, sees Christian uh, sees, sees her life and sees the difference she's made. But see, this is what Jesus has asked us to do. He he has asked us to be people who do what, who are willing to take up our cross and follow Him, no matter what happens. What he's saying is, when you choose to follow Christ, what you are saying is, I'm going to love Him more than anybody. And there's not even going to be a close second. I'm going to love Him more than anybody. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do what? Put my cross on. And I'm going to walk with Him and toward Him every single day. And it's not easy. It's not easy. We, we look, and there's some people who have a very casual Christianity, that means they're faithful when they want to be. When are we going to go worship? Well, when nothing else is pressing. Or when my life starts falling apart, I'm like, well, we might need to start going back to church. He's saying, this is not what I'm doing. He said, I need you to take up your cross and follow me when? Daily. Daily. There are those who want to keep peace in their family, a Christian with maybe married to a non-Christian. And, and I know that in this room there have been many who are Christians married to non-Christians, that the non-Christian, through the influence of their mate, have come to Christ. Can I tell you, if the mate had not stayed faithful and continued to bear their cross, it wouldn't have happened. He's saying you have to love me more than who? Your husband? Yes. Than your children, yes. There are people who choose not to be baptized because they don't want to cause a stir at home. Jesus said, you love me more. You love me more than anyone. It has to make a difference in your home, make a difference where you work, make a difference wherever you are. You must be willing to take up your cross and follow me. It is the most important relationship that we will have is that relationship we have with Jesus. Jesus. Sometimes, I think even when we talk about heaven, we have to be very careful. Because can I tell you, when it comes to going to heaven, there are things I'm looking forward to. And one of them is, I've got loved ones who are already there. you got loved ones who are already there? I'm looking forward to seeing them. But my loved ones being in heaven is not what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is that's where Jesus is. That is where Jesus is. He says, we're doing what? Following Him. And he has to become the most important relationship that we have. He says, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It is something we must do. See, when people saw Jesus carrying his cross through town, they knew what was coming. He was going to die. And what did they do as he walked through town? They mocked him. They they, they would do things to hurt him. They, They went on. The thing is, he did not just sort of go through town and try inconspicuously. It's hard to be inconspicuous when you've got a cross on your shoulder. But he went through and he said, I need you to do the same thing. He said, when you're baptized, you're what? You're baptized into your death. It is something that you die to yourself and you ra- are raised to walk in a new life, a new life where he is first and you are following him. As it had been said, too few give so little, too few. Actually, I should say too many give so little to the one who gave so much. What does he demand? Everything. And, and somehow we think God to be satisfied with the least we have, whatever's left. And he said, no, this must be the most important relationship that you have. This is not just a decision. This is a decision to be a disciple, to be a lifelong follower. He's not trying to be a salesman. He's saying, people are going to hate you and you might die. And guess what? You follow me anyway. That's how strong the language is here. There's no fine print. Jesus doesn't put the benefits in the large print, the obligations in the small print. He, he lets us know that, that, that there are obligations. Isn't it interesting? He said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He gets into hope, must hate their family, everything else. He never once mentions heaven in that. He didn't say, oh yeah, there's this great place where there's no sin, there's no suffering, there's no sickness, there's no death. All this is waiting. He doesn't even get into that. He just said, if you want to come after me, this is the price. Sometimes the obligations are in larger print than the benefits. (laughs) Jesus wants us to know what it is He's asking and when he's not asking for, again, a one-time decision here, uh, when you look at, at Luke 14, 23, he says, the establishment is continuing relationship. He said, if anyone would come after me, and then he says after that, come after me. He said, are you willing to forsake all other paths in coming after Jesus and then maintain a true, a true and steady course following him? It is a lifetime decision of following Him and making that decision every day. There's not levels of discipleship. There's not levels. He said, you're my follower, you're not, and He wants us to be His follower. And He said, yes, there are some tough decisions. He said, I want you to count the cost because it's not going to be easy. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a struggle. I want to let you know, he says, for which one of you that desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, he's not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, the man began to build was not able to finish. What's he saying? Once you decide to start, don't quit. Don't quit. Have you ever built a house? Many of us in here have probably bought a house, but to go into building a house or buying a house, realize that there's a lot there. It's not just the price that's on the sign. You figure what it costs, what's the PMI if you don't have a 20% down payment? Uh, How much is insurance going to be? They're going to tax you on stuff that you own, which is still a very interesting thing. By the way, we, we can talk about that at a different time. I own this land, really? You pay taxes on it every year. You look at it, and there's taxes on it. There's interest, and they determine how much your stuff's worth. There's whatever interest rates you have. Uh, again, you have to furnish it. There's utilities every month. There's, there may be an HOA fee. All those things have to come in, and you have to decide if you can afford it all. He said, I want you to make a good decision. Why? Because you know as, as well as I do, there are some people who are much more exciting about more, much more excited about getting married and having a wedding than they are about staying married. I remember a, a someone who had this incredible wedding. They went to a beach somewhere else. <laughs> the whole family came over at great expense, and, and the bride was excited and had her dream wedding within two years. She just told her husband, you know what? I really wanted to have an awesome wedding, but I don't think I'm cut out to be married. Jesus is saying, I, it's not just about the wedding. It's about the relationship. It's about staying faithful. What he's saying is don't quit. Look at what's there. Make this decision. Do not had, he, he goes on to, to say, it's even about a king who does what? Before he goes to war, when he has 10,000 uh, soldiers and, and the enemy has 20,000 soldiers, what am I going to do? I'm going to go talk to him see if we can reach peace first. Why? Because sometimes wars that we get into are more emotional than logical. My little brother is five years younger than I am. And so when we were little, when he was, when you know, when he was seven and I was twelve, he would like to start wars. He did not think how that might end. Now it changed when he got older. He got bigger, okay? I still remember one of the funniest moments I have I just love this moment because we were older. He was in high school, I was in college. We were at my grandmother's house, and he decided to jump me. Well. I got the upper hand, had him pinned, and my grandmother rolled her wheelchair in the room and said, Craig, let the baby go. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I'll let the 17-year-old baby go. Why? Because he made an emotional decision, not a logical one. He's saying this decision that we're going to make Is there emotion involved in in being a child of God? Yes, there is. I'm going to tell you, if I realize that that there is salvation there and that somebody loves me enough to die on a cross with me, if that doesn't touch me emotionally, nothing will. To realize how much He loved me, it is an emotional decision. But also, I have to think, it's not just about this moment. It is about the rest of my life. It is about coming out of this water and putting on a cross and carrying it every day. Carrying it every day. If you will, go to 82 for me, please. Salvation is a free gift from God. We're told that, right, Ephesians? You're about to say, by grace through faith. We sit there and look and realize it is not, you have nothing, it is a free gift of God. But I will tell you, discipleship will cost everything we have. Salvation is a free gift and what? Discipleship will cost everything we have. But here's the beauty of it. Thomas a. Kempis says this. He, he says, Jesus has many lovers of his heaven, but few bearers of his cross. Many that desire to partake of his comforts, but few who are willing to share in his distress. All are disposed to rejoice with Jesus, but few to suffer the sorrow for his sake. When we are committed to following him, we have to realize, will it be easy? No, it will not. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. 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 If you are following him, even today, if you're just crawling, you're on the right path. Realize that, and if you're thinking, Craig just said we have to be perfect. I did not. I said we have to be faithful. We want to follow him. Some days we're going to be running behind him. Some days we're going to be walking. Some days we're going to be crawling. Some days we're just going to be holding on to him and say, hey, I just need, need, need to be close to you today. Whatever it is, what I want you to, to know is a, a, a church that is filled with disciples is a church filled with people who are all carrying crosses. And we're all carrying them the same direction. And some days I'm going to need help with mine. Some days you're going to need help with yours. But the thing is, we all keep following, and it is worth it. Today, can we help you? Jesus died for you so that you can be with him for an eternity, but not just that, so you can be his here. There is no fine print. He, he says, guess what? It is going to be challenged, but it is also going to be worth it. You're going to make a difference in the lives of others. You're going to have a life where you have someone here who loves you, someone who hears you as you pray, somebody who, who is going to choose to help you. You have that. He wants you to be His. Today, will you become His disciple and follow Him? It may be today that you said, hey, I've made that decision to become a Christian, but I really want to start following. And many times that's just an acknowledgement. That's an, that's saying, hey, I'm going to change gears. I'm going to realize I want to be all in for him. I want him to be the most important relationship that I have. And today, that's what we want to do. Today, if we can help you with this, would you come now while we stand, while we sing.